Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Badly Drawn Boy and producer Gethin Pearson to talk about how they recorded and produced the album Banana Skin Shoes. Damon Goff, better known as Badly Drawn Boy, is a singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist from Manchester, England. Having drawn his pseudonym from a character in the children's TV show The Magic Ball, Damon began his recording career in 1997 releasing the five-track EP1 on his own Twisted Nerve label. Several EPs later, and following the success of the 1999 single Once Around the Block, Damon was signed to XL Recordings, releasing his debut album The Hour of Bewilderbeast in June 2000, which went on to be certified platinum in the UK and win the Mercury Music Prize. Damon struck gold again with his soundtrack album to the 2002 film About a Boy. The album went straight into the top 10 of the UK charts and became his second platinum record. His subsequent six albums, including another soundtrack to the film Being Flynn, saw a gradual shift from his indie folk sound to a more alternative pop rock style. Following numerous tours and a long stint living and working in the US, Damon has returned in 2020 with his first release in eight years. The album Banana Skin Shoes, co-produced with Gethin Pearson. Gethin Pearson is a producer, mixer, songwriter and multi-instrumentalist from Wales. While still in school, before even considering a career in production or songwriting, Gethin earned his first taste of music industry success with a co-writing credit on the album Casually Dressed and Deep in Conversation from Welsh band Funeral for a Friend. The following years saw him juggling production and songwriting work with a part-time teaching job, working on albums with rock band The Enemy, as well as producing and mixing multiple critically acclaimed albums with indie band Jaws, before diving head-on into the music world. Having turned his talents to everything from rock and metal to electropop and hip-hop, Gethin has taken on an enormous range of roles, working with artists including Crystal Fighters, Calais from Block Party, Orla Gartland and Charlie XEX, to name a few. Today, once again due to lockdown, I'm at home in Morden, South London, and Damon and Gethin join me from their respective homes to talk about how Banana Skin Shoes was recorded and produced. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record. This is Tony Wilson Said. Shout out to the city, like Tony Wilson Said. Wrong number, Chicago. It is Badly Drawn Boy with Tony Wilson said from the new album Banana Skin Shoes and by the wonders of modern technology I should have Badly Drawn Boy, Damon Goff and also Gethin Pearson down the line. So Damon, where are you? Hi John, I'm in Manchester, Cholton where I've lived for 25 years roughly now so I'm stuck in my house with my wife Leanne and Reuben, our little 
two nearly three-year-old. Excellent. And uh, Gethin, you're in Pontypool, is that right? That's right. I'm in Pontypool, South Wales. Yeah, again, locked down with uh, my wife and my uh, my daughter. Excellent. But the two of you joined forces in Stockport, I think, in order to record Banana Skin Shoes. We share the same management, Gethin and I, uh, Big Life, and I'd reached a point where I needed some new input to finish this record off, and it turned out that Gethin had worked in a studio called Eve, which is in a part of Stockport. Where, Bradbury, isn't it? Bradbury, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a really good fortuitous coincidence for me that Gethin was was used to working in Eve because Stockport's like 20, 20 minutes, half an hour drive from where I live. So that was a, a cool place for us to collaborate. And so when you got together, I mean, you had started working on the album already, Damon, or what was the story? Yeah, well, I made a few kind of false starts. At the beginning of 2017, I was with legendary producer and all-round person, youth, who I've known for years, but we'd never done any work together. So I went to youth's uh, studio in his house in London, and I think we did eight days recording, and we did six songs, roughly, that were sounding pretty good. And then I was due to go back down to work with youth, and then Ruben, my little boy, was... was his due date for being born was really getting close, so I didn't, I didn't want to risk missing it. So that was that. When when Reuben was born, I took a year off. So I basically did eight days, then took a year off, which was I completely lost any flow that I'd got from those eight days. And after Reuben had been around for a year, and I thought, right, I better get back to this album. Uh, I worked with Keir Stewart, who lives. I wanted to work closer to home, and he he lives in Wally Range, which is a few miles from where I live, and his little studio in his basement. So I'd spent months just recording and demoing loads of stuff, which was 2018, roughly, three three or four months of recording, probably 25 songs with Kia. And then the beginning of last year, roughly a year ago, is when I, I wanted to take stock of it and I picked 14 songs and, and then brought Gethin into the picture. And it was a tough situation, I think, for Gethin to come into. To his credit, he just he had to take on a lot of different things that songs that were at various stages of completion or half completion or whatever that it was a massive mixed bag of of different things for Gethin to get his head around so Gethin will probably remember Gethin remembers the date we met because he's he's a bit of a geek like that <laughs> when was it February the 15th that's right yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, I got introduced to Damon um, like he said via our management and they explained that they had been working on some new music and he had um, maybe hit a few speed bumps along the way and just to um, go and have a chat about some ideas and see if it was be something we'd be interested in just getting in the studio and um, trying some ideas out. So I took a train up to Stockport on Valentine's evening, which my wife was really happy about. And, <laughs> Sorry about um, that. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. And we went for breakfast the next day and... Um, yeah, Damon just outlined what he just told you really about what the process had been up to now. And then we just, yeah, sat in his garden and listened to some of the ideas and shared some ideas back and forth about where we thought, you know, like he said, some of them didn't need reimagining or much. They just needed, you know, a little bit of work to them. And then, yeah, at the end of that day, Damon just said, oh, when do you want to get in the studio together? So I think it was like two weeks later, we managed to get in and start start working. I think, I think from, I had so many... Decent ideas, but I didn't feel like I was making a record. And like Gethin just said, there's certain songs didn't seem to need much, but even those songs, weirdly, 
the, so the songs that had very little left to do were probably harder. It's like just adding a couple of ingredients. But a, a lot of them we almost had to re-strip down, like stripping down a classic car or something and and putting it all back together so it's more solid. We, we kind of had to do that kind of a thing, strip down, play the drums again. I did all the vocals again on every song. So some of them changed a lot and some of them hardly changed, but changed massively in terms of what they were achieving. It was bizarre. Yeah, I think a lot of it... And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave. It was almost trying to will. change your relationship with the song, maybe. It was, like you were saying, it was kind of... A lot of them felt so close to being finished, but yet just you didn't feel right to you or felt so far away. So it was like working out, well, what is wrong with this? Or what? why isn't it right yet? I guess the mantra was like, oh, there's nothing's ever wrong. It's just not right yet. Yeah, but the, thing. Well, yeah, but now that... I mean, it's six months since the album was completed and mastered now so not, I haven't even listened to it in six months believe it or not but now that I've been that removed from it I think at the time I was just uh, I don't think I'd given myself to the project before Gethin came in I didn't really feel I was wholeheartedly immersing myself in the idea of making an album I, I was terrified of doing another album because it's been so long so I was just meandering along recording loads of decent ideas but not really putting that extra percentage of myself in to get these things finished and I needed the imagine I needed the illusion of someone coming in because the people I've been working with are all credible with pedigree Keir Stewart youth obviously they've made some great records but I wasn't putting myself in the mix as much as I needed to to make this real so I needed to start again so I had to make the tough decision of saying right look, I've got those recordings with youth I've got these recordings with Keir now I need someone else and I didn't know who it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be Gethin. I didn't know what Gethin was going to be like. But my attitude to this album had changed already because I've made a decision to start finishing this. And uh, I brought myself to the table more and Gethin was everything I needed because he he just started to make it feel like we were making a record. Even picking up on the songs we'd already, I'd already started, but particularly with the first song, Colours, that we originated together. Because I, I had an idea for the song, but Gethin completely flipped it for me and made it this modern sort of groove that, that I hadn't expected the song was capable of being. It was, colours started out like a like a kind of a Latin groove thing that I didn't really know where it was heading, but Gethin just immediately got some drums and other sounds and it and it became, it sounded within a day or two like the, the first song that sounded like it was ready for the album. So that gave me confidence in everything else we were going to do, picking up on the other songs that Gethin was going to help me finish. But dealing with a solo artist like me is a, a kind of a nightmare because you've got to be, not just a producer, you've got to be, you've got to be my mate, you've got to be my band member that I haven't got, you've got to be a bit of everything, and Gethin's all those things, just just to give him some credit <laughs> whilst I'm here. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes sense. So you kind of started on something completely new rather than go back through stuff to start with. Instead, you can kind of come together and work out that working relationship together and start building that by starting on something new, like a brand new idea. Yeah, yeah, because the stuff I'd already part recorded with the other guys I've talked about, I, I knew that those songs were were capable of being completed and they were good enough, but there was a couple of other songs I had anyway that I'd not tried yet, and I thought, well, when Gethin came up to Cholton, we had that romantic breakfast <laughs> together the day after Valentine's Day, he... We then walked around the corner to my house and I've got the piano in the kitchen and we sat, we talked for like five hours, I think, solid that day. And me playing, getting some of the ideas that I hadn't recorded yet and and he was buzzing off those, Colours in particular and, and another song, I'm not sure what it is. I played those two songs to Gethin 
But Colours was the perfect start for us to suss out how each other worked. And particularly for me, getting me in, I mean, Gethin will remember the first day we got to Eva, I bolted. I, I was so nervous. I'd, because I, until working with Gethin, I didn't feel I was making an album. And the pressure just suddenly hit me that after eight, eight years or more of not having a, an album out, I, I thought, God, I've actually got to do this now. I've, I've got to step up again. But slowly, Gethin made me feel like we were making a record together. That's the difference that Gethin brought to it. Again, not anyone else's fault. It was mine because I wasn't as focused as I needed to be up until Gethin was a turning point in all of this for me in lots of different ways. But we went to, yeah, we, we, we sat at my house and I played him a few a few ideas and then Gethin took a sample of colours, like a, a demo that I had on my phone. And then he, he just, he worked some beats to that. And before I got in the studio, he had a vibe for colours, like immediately for me to do some vocals too. Because doing the vocals was, I was terrified. But Gethin was brilliant at getting me to sing and try things, try things out. So that's interesting. So from that first meeting in Chilton, you had a, a voice note to start thinking about Gethin. And then you, when you returned and, and met back up at Eve, then you'd already put down some ideas so that Damon could get involved. And, and so the two of you really started to coin a phrase to get your hands dirty, to get involved and get stuck in to work. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so like Damon said, we just sat around his piano and chatted ideas. He'd like play a few snippets of a tune and then we would talk. And a big thing, I think, that influenced and it kind of shaped a lot of the aesthetic of a record as well was uh, the Beastie Boys book had just been released like a few months before and we both had a copy of it. And I was reading it at the time and it was sat on Damon's piano when I got there and I was like, oh, Great. I you, wanted to bring I wanted to bring up the Beastie Boys book, the cool thing to talk about. Go on, carry on. We're going to raise that if you want to. <laughs> no, you, you take it. Take the glory. No, there. so Damon was playing this part, and um, and then he mentioned that oh, it would be great to kind of like have a track which feels like we've sampled something old. You know, sample find an old record of a way that like the Beastie Boys would you know dig an old type of track and just find the best few bars to make a great beat from. Actually, so, though, with colours, the Beastie Boys book is more, from the artist's point of view, which is me, I'm the artist here, um, <laughs> it's often like the abstract things that make something make sense. Like the Beastie Boys book, it was just something I'd pick up and look at, read a page, look at some photographs in it, and it just the vibe of it made me feel connected to something of my past, like the early 90s when I started out, listening to Beastie Boys, Beck, John Spencer, bands like that, uh, Flaming Lips even, just, and I was starting out as a bedroom artist with my four track. And that's kind of some of the the tonality, the, the attitude that went into this album, which I didn't realise until, so to have that immediate connection that we both like the Beastie Boys. And for me, when we started recording Colours, it, start, it took on a sonic power <laughs> that Gethin brought to the table that made me think, wow, this is interesting now because... I wanted Colours to sound like a record that, that no one had ever heard before. Like, like um, there's pictures in the book of the, the Beastie Boys book where they're in a club in the early 80s, like all dead cool, just dancing around. Those kind of energy pictures. And I imagine Colours to be the song that was playing, like a late 70s, early 80s, hip-hop stroke, new wave kind of thing. That's what the song started to mean to me. And all of this stuff's meaningless to anyone else, but that's what made me feel like the song was was getting somewhere and doing something I hadn't done before. So that loose connection of that book between me and Geffen, it meant a lot. And, and it kind of permeated throughout the rest of the album after we'd, after we'd done Colours. Like some attitude of like, who cares? This is just brilliant, you know? So that was quite crucial for me to have that abstract notion of believing in yourself, which is, you read the book, you read the Beastie Boys, the forward, 
that Adam Horowitz writes about Adam Yauch, it's just beautifully written because he's, he's just saying Yauch was this guy that made us believe we could do anything. You need someone in your life. And that's what Gethin started to do for me in the studio. Like, come on, you can do this. We can do anything. So it, it, more, more like that gang mentality of being bigger than the sum of your parts. And, and especially as a solo artist for me, because I, again, I need the producer to give me that sense of believing in your own abilities and, and not worrying too much whether you make mistakes, that kind of freeness that you get from all that. Yeah, yeah. So what can we hear that would illustrate this process or this this uh, birth of this nice uh, mutual agreement on the Beastie Boys book as much as the Beastie Boys? No, because it, it, in a way it seems to me just the book itself is the talisman and that it, it's a leap on when you get the book about a band to make that decision, you've already absorbed and acknowledged their importance because you're taking that next step to get the book. Do, do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so the fact that the two of you had done that separately, you'd have both understood what it meant to have got the book. Mm. Uh, but, but what did you do, Gethin, in terms of demos or something that we could hear now that would show that conversation starting? Okay, so I could play... Um the early phone recording that I took over uh, so Damon had made on that app and just sent to me so I could play that. Yeah, that would be great. I like the rain, I like candy floss, you say you hate it, it melts before you get to the taste. I see colors, the sign of your happy. Running through my mind I see colors From the second I hearts me Music to my eye So this is Damon playing at his piano with you beside him, Gethin, recording right. it on your phone, is that right? So this bit by here You can hear the solo piano bit Yeah, so that's Damon just recording, just, just, just on a phone. I think we, should have, we shouldn't have bothered working on it. That was sounding brilliant as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Put that out. It's true. Well, you know, I've got, I've got to try and bring something. So, yeah, so then what I did was... Uh, <laughs> no, it's pretty, it is actually embarrassing to hear that, but it, it's kind of like when the song's done, you realise how important those little early versions are. There's a charm to it, mm. but we took it on to other places, as Gethin might illustrate next so yeah i got to eve the studio and before damon came in on that first uh day one of the engineers there henry um he's also a brilliant drummer so we just set up set up a kit and i got him just to play a bunch of beats just to a click but i could essentially sample and cut up so i got that from him so i got these And then started to add some other like electronic samples to it. And then I took a part of a piano and cut it up and uh, detuned it to like make a bass line. So I think it was just kind of this is what I I just took a like a little voice recording on my phone or a video and just sent to Damon saying. I think it was something even cheeky, like, I'm making this record if you're here or not, or something. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> um, I remember yeah. hearing this, that loop that Gethin's playing there. He sent, I mean, I was dead excited by it because I thought, even that just sounds like something that I'm talking about here, the, the Beastie Boys link. There's something... You could make a great club 12-inch version just from that. And I think that's where things got hard because there was so many good ideas. And I, 
to make this a three and a half minute song because I knew there was going to be 14 songs on the album. We had to keep each song as concise as possible, which is a feature of this album I didn't expect. But the, that was tough because every time Gethin would play me something, I mean, that's good already. And then and then he gets Dan, who played bass, Dan Pugsley, to, to send a bass line. That, that blew my mind as well. So I think I started to get excited and then I got like a headless chicken. So Gethin had to keep things ticking and doing things that were necessary. Go on, Gethin, you. It's a good point, yeah. So it's kind of like a lot of it, from my point of view, especially like with what um, Damon had mentioned about his previous starts on the record, was just trying to keep the excitement there all the time, like every day something new was happening or kind of, like he said, it almost feels like a debut album. Like that feels exciting because it's like you know that he's like the artist hasn't done anything like this way before so and colors as well is a, a typical of my writing in that it's not the kind of song i can sit really apart from the little demo you just played i couldn't really confidently sit and play it as a song i, I need to hear what you do in like a game of ping pong ball you you do something here make me excited about it and then i started writing the lyrics i had some words written but as soon as Gethin made me believe this song was going somewhere i had the confidence to sit and write the rest of the words it's the most abstract song on the album, Colours. It's not heartfelt, it's not emotional, it's more about why people disagree on things, why people don't see things the same. And the, the breakthrough for me in the lyric was coming up with the line, orange is the only child of red and yellow. I was trying to work out a way of saying what colours are, what they mean. And then Gethin just kept developing the music uh, so that every time I came back in the room, there'd be something else for me to, to buzz off. Mm. So when you joined uh, Gethin in the in the room so you you had put that together Gethin and then yes. you got Damon to start singing along to it or um so yeah I had that beat idea going and then yeah Damon came into the studio and that first day I think yeah Damon said I've got an idea for an intro I'd love to do like a stack vocal I was like great let's do it so he um, went into the vocal booth and I you know said okay let's set up got levels etc and, and that's, then that's always a breakthrough moment as well for me to sing in front of somebody new and, and Gethin knows that as a pretty it's always a, a hurdle yeah, to, a big... to get over so that was the first thing we tried wasn't it yeah yeah so I was excited first of all you know to know that the first thing they wanted to do coming into the studio was was put a vocal down because obviously a lot of the time vocals are one of the last things that go down on a track I much but, um, prefer just sitting in the control room letting everybody else do all the work and I, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that <laughs> watching, watching you and the assistant engineers and whatever twiddling knobs all day I, I can do that forever uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I thought no I'd better do something I'd better come in and sing at least yeah. to break yeah. the duck if it's not working on vocals yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah um, Damon went in and st we started doing this uh, vocal and a lot of it was just chatting about, again, the confidence factor from the off. So, you know, Damon, you wanted to put this vocal idea down, but it was trying to get you to, to believe in that idea, first of all, I think, mm. because it was very, you know, you try it once and obviously sometimes the first time isn't the right one type of thing, the right take. And it was trying to develop that relationship where you weren't afraid to like take those chances or those risks in front, in front yeah. of me. So we just, am I right in saying that, Damon? Yeah, it's weird. Even, even with experience under one's belt, like I've made records before, but as, as soon as you're doing a new project and a new song, there is always a hurdle to get over of, of the confidence issues. And and that, that just takes a bit of time. And being the first session with Gethin, it was like, oh God, he's going to think I'm rubbish. I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I can't even walk in and sing. And 
So to get over those few little bits was paramount. And then once we did, it was like, right, we're up and running now because we've made something work. It's yeah. It's particularly a fragile situation with vocals because it's the it's the human aspect. It's like you can do all the vibe stuff with the drums, the bass, the the samples and stuff. But when you're actually singing, it's the human spirit of the song. It's the connection to the artist. So we're aware of that as we're doing it. And I'm always nervous every time I go in to try a new idea. Um, but this was particularly a big moment because it's me. I want Gethin to do this. I want him to help me get this album done. And it was the first moment. So Gethin's ability to keep me ticking while I was in the vocal booth and make me just say, do that again. He'd put the track on loop and I'd get more confident as each take. And then I thought, all right, all right. Gethin knows what he's doing. He, he reminded me of working with Tom Rothrock back in the day, like trying to get things, I don't know, just keeping a spirit going so you didn't lose interest and oh, I think the idea's got nothing in it. That's half the battle half the time, is just keeping belief in the idea you've got. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we tried this, um, just this intro vocal idea. I can play as it is now in the track. So it was brilliantly like Damon sang it a few times and after each one, it was like, right, okay, let's try it again now. Let's try it like this, maybe try it. And I started to layer them up and run them through some effects just so that when he came into the control room, I could present instantly what had been done, what he had done, really. So I'll just play the intro a sec. I see and then that, that fades into the tune. And then I started to just place it into some different places on the song. So you would hear this then. So from that very first few vocal takes, I kind of started to already assemble like a chorus. Yeah, but that immediately gave you an idea of for Damon as well. It gave you an idea that, oh, it, it can be like this. So that idea is a good idea. Exactly. And, that um, was yes. we can refresh it or whatever we need to do. Just to give confidence to the idea. Yeah. And yes. kind of say, yes, you know, this is this is great. This sounds great. I remember Damon came walking in saying, oh, I've never sounded like that before. And I was like, yes, I think we've got this type of thing. You know, <laughs> it was kind of a bit of a, you know, almost like a stamp of approval. You, you know, kind of, oh, this is great. And um, yeah, so like I think we did some extra layers to it and some other takes, but yeah, from those first few moments, really, it, it did. Like well, David said, it, I think that the, the bit we just played was important in terms of like getting something recorded that was new, especially vocally for me, because it's I hadn't got that far with any of the other tracks that I'd previously recorded. They're all guide vocals, so this felt like a vocal we could keep and build on, and then and then gave me the confidence to try the verses, which was what we I think. More or less the same session. Did we crack on with the verses, Gethin? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. Oh, I think you went back that evening and came back with um, some ideas and then yeah, we did that the was, verses the first thing the next day then. That was probably the night I went back and wrote that legendary line I just mentioned about Orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also the legendary line, Purple is the only child of Blue and Red. Yeah, to go along with it, yeah. Yeah, showing your um, understanding of primary and secondary colours. That's all I was trying to do on this album, really, was... <laughs> Make people realise I, I did listen in school, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when Damon comes back in with more ideas and you try to capture that, how would you go about that? What would you do? Um, first of all, in the control room, like Damon just chatted through kind of some of the lyric ideas and I was like, right, let's get in, let's try them out. So what we did was then I set the verse up just like the music on the verse on loop. So 
damage you could just keep performing at it so sometimes you find that if you just let an artist do a take and then press stop and then chat about it or they can kind of almost psych themselves out of the performance mm. whereas we kept it on loop so that there was almost no time to worry about if it was a mistake that had just gone by it could kind of just right okay i'm back again i'm going again so i put the verses on loop and yeah damon just would have done a few loops of it you know maybe after five or six stop chat about how we felt they were going you know i'll maybe phrase this like this or damon would say can i get less of this can i get more of this i think it always seemed to Doing the vocals on this set the pattern for how we tackled all the other songs vocally as well because mm-hmm. I'd do my first initial thoughts, do a few takes, you'd record a bunch of takes and then I think you'd always instinctively stop and go, right, play Damon back that take because that was brilliant. You'd play me back something that was going to encourage me. <laughs> you got used to having to do that because of my insecurity of like, obviously my, my confidence was building overall with doing this, but within any given song that you're trying to get right, there's always like a doubt of, oh God, it still doesn't feel right. I'm not singing with the right attitude. And that's production. Production has so many different things that you're asking of a guy like Gethin to, to find what it is I'm looking for, to understand it, be be my band member, be my, my go-to person. And so Gethin got used to just knowing what I was looking for. He, he knew what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. And, or if something surprised him, stopping and saying, play me back a take and going, there you go, that's that's how it should be, that's brilliant. And then that would give me a confidence to, to go at it and try again. So that we built a nice way of doing that, of of just making me just feel comfortable trying stuff, which is, is paramount in, in production. Um, the relationship you build as friends becomes a big part of it as well, not just the technical abilities that, that someone has. Yeah, that's like, yeah, like Damon said with the vocal, the kind of flow, it was, I would go on loop and then choose a few phrases say oh listen to how great this one is listen to great how great that is and like Damon said then you could you would sense his confidence growing with the next set of takes which was always a real viral such positive moments I think mm. yeah and in terms of creating the rest of the song bringing in other instruments Damon mentioned that you got Dan to do a bass line um, yes who, is that right who is Dan we don't know. We never met him. <laughs> well, D- <laughs> Damon had never phantom, met. Yeah, <laughs> phantom bass player. <laughs> yeah. no, he's a friend of Gethin's. Yeah, that. Yeah, so, da- carry on so Damon hadn't met him at this point, but um, so Dan is a uh, somebody who I've been uh, friends with for many years. Uh, an amazing bass player. He plays bass in a band called Skin Dread. He's like a session bass player for like Gogol Badello, and he's played on some other records that I've worked on, and. Um, he's a big fan of Damon's as well and also like a lot of the reference points that we were talking about Dan is a big fan of as well so so I just sent the music we had for the verse for the chorus sorry for Colours and asked him to try some ideas so you know I sent over sent over the music and um, as a solo artist because I don't have the luxury of, of band members and the good side of that is great because there's only me to worry about things there's, I don't have to worry about opinions of a idiot that you don't like in the band or whatever. The plus point for me of being a solo artist, because it's hard sometimes to to get where you're going and you bring someone like Gethin having this pool of resources of people that he knew, like Dan. Dan was a big thing for this uh, album because he'd, he'd just send over, and the fact that he's you know, in a band like Skindred, I love the fact that I can draw from somebody from a different style of music and he plays this bass line and it absolutely blew me away the first thing Dan well, yeah so we had over. it didn't we for one evening I think it was like late one night we were packing down it was like I don't know one two in the morning just finishing that evening and 
an email came through. I said, oh, we've got something from Dan. And I played it and it was in isolation as well. And we just both looked at each other. And obviously I was nervous because ideally I'd have been able to listen to it on my own first, listen to it in the track, see, oh, shall I present it? Shall I play it or not? But it was just there and we just played it in isolation. You know when the same thing when you said SoundCloud just instantly plays something? I think I downloaded mm. the file from the email. It just went straight into my iTunes and played. We both looked at each other and it was like, what, this is pretty out there. And I mean, this, this this was like, was this like the end of the first day of working on Colours, really? <laughs> I think and, so, and yeah. Late yeah. that night, like midnight, and the day had its ups and downs, mostly positive, and then you just said, oh, let's just do this before we finish. And that just set me up for the next day, but the baseline, it's exactly what I'm talking about, this crossover fusion thing that I imagine this Beastie Boys, what word did you use, John, for the, the, beast, the touchstone? Well, the Talisman, the Beastie Boys. like the Beastie yeah. Boys book was a talisman. Yeah, so this baseline comes in and perfectly fits that, ethos to me of it passing the test of like they would love this the beastie boys this this baseline that dan's just fired over just the fact he could send these baselines and they're immediately like a sample really he's recording yeah. them remotely at home and then gethin sits it in the song and it's like wow the other thing about a bass is like it can transform a song that a good bass player are so underestimated what that can bring to any song, not just a groove song but any 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 song where they pick the right notes the way they play the way Someone like Dan, who's just like, just blew my mind with his his ideas, the spin he would put on a song, all the songs he played on on the album. But this being the first one we heard was just another moment for me of like, wow, Eureka this moment. is getting exciting. We should hear that. Yeah, so in isolation, this is the the scene of the day. Like Damon said, it had his ups and downs. So it was a bit of a, I felt like I was putting down a, it was a bit of a wild card because I hadn't heard it and I didn't know how Damon was going to react. So this is what um sent over. So yeah, that's what was sent. It's kind of unfair to play it without a beat, I would say. Yeah, well, that's why I, I wanted to play it. I had to kind of demonstrate <laughs> how, yeah. you know, for wildcard nature of it almost. So when we looked at each other, it was a bit like, oh, okay. Um, we need to hear that with the... You need to work the beats in and do that. Yeah, so then I put it into the track with the beat and the, the piano. So it, it felt like this. When you hear it together, it seems like such a natural fit as Exactly. Well, so then, like Damon said, it was probably unfair to play it on its own, but I think that illustrates just how, like, well, I would never write something like that, maybe for that section, like Damon the same, and that's why it was so exciting. It's almost like, it's, it, it's such a clever bass line because it, it's like a lead hook, and it almost melts into the mix. That you, you wouldn't know it's there unless you point it out. It sits so well. It's, it's really clever. It's... Uh, it's a hook, it's a lead line, it covers the root notes that a bass needs to do because that's what the, its purpose is. Mm-hmm. And it plays a melody as well. I mean, what more could you ask? What The yeah. guy's a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also inspired then, because we had, um, we called upon, again, another friend, uh, Johnny, who plays brass with public service broadcasting. And uh, That was a good few so days with up, Johnny as well. Yeah. yeah, so he came up to the studio for a day or two and taking that bass line then arranged a brass part around it. I mean, th- these are the things where, for me that it's why I love making records is when you get to these 
moments where someone someone offers you that, gives you a bass line that just transforms where this song could go. And then you start hearing clashes within the mix of like oh, the piano and the bass, a harmonic clash, and then that inspires the brass. Johnny comes in and I start getting excited and hearing loads. You, you start hearing ideas all of a sudden. This is like, mm. for me, I love sitting at home writing songs on a guitar or piano, but I'm a studio artist, really. It all starts to happen when I get the belief that comes back out of the speakers, that the belief that gives me that this is really worth doing. Particularly for me, it starts to feel like something magic is happening when those things start colliding, and that's where it starts to get exciting, making a record. Are you able to play that now, Gethin? I can, yeah, so... So in effect, this is Johnny's response to what he's heard. Yeah, so, so in the background, you can hear the trumpet line, which is similar, you know, that follows the bass line. No, that's the... In the background, following the melody line from the piano, the original. That's right. That was my original melody line on the piano, and then Johnny's... He's taking the melodic parts of the bass and just emphasising them, I suppose, and we all just started vibing on that. And then if I put it in with the bass and the drums... So yeah, you had the kind of, that was another element then that pushed it. Yeah. So I suppose all that illustrates kind of counterpoint and which is, you know, melodies crossing over each other, colliding in certain parts, harmonic, kind of the, one of my traits as a writer is to get those things to happen. And so when you're all f- on the same page with that and it starts to happen, that, that's, that's where it gets exciting in essence. It's just like, wow, what, things you didn't expect. I mean, that's the other thing I, I always want people to do is something I'd I've tried to learn over the years of not getting exactly what I want because some, sometimes what you didn't want is better or what you hadn't thought of or you try and give direction and then you you hope that someone just takes it somewhere else as well and, and you get a bit of both and you're laughing. Mm. Yeah, and it certainly sounds like you were laughing on this occasion and it's interesting the speed that people have to respond to Gethin's request, be it Dan or Johnny, you know, because clearly... Dan got back with his bass line really quite quickly, enough so that by the end of the day you could hear it and then walk away re-energised by what he was bringing. And presumably Johnny got back to you quite quickly with his part as well. Yeah, so... Gethin's a scary guy when you meet him. He sounds quite friendly on the radio. He's, <laughs> he's, he's terrifying. It's terrifying when you meet him, so no wonder they, they respond when he asks. Uh, I'm definitely not a terrifying guy. <laughs> I, so, don't, I like to think no. not anyway. <laughs> no, well, that, that, I think it's just it's born from enthusiasm. I mean, Gethin's enthusiasm to help me make a record and bring these other guys in, it's just basically people who are buzzing to do it. And Gethin brought in a community of the players that he had. His dad played on a song, his brother played on a song, Gethin's family, and most of it done remotely and sending us the parts on, as files. And they're all buzzing off the songs, which made me feel like it was really a sigh of relief of like oh, other people are buzzing off this because I'd been quite isolated up to that point before working with Gethin. I'd forgotten how all that felt. How it starts to feel like your enemy when you're not writing regularly and, and it becomes hard. But when, when you start, things start ticking again, you realise why you did this in the first place. It, it's freedom, it's joy. And all these people that come in to add their bit and Gethin was facilitating all that and Gethin was cracking the whip and they were delivering the goods. I mean, it it sounds fantastic. So, I mean, those first few days must have been really exciting because clearly you were energising each other and all the things were coming together really nicely. So you knew that you could work together and that this would be an ongoing project, that you would work on a whole album and get it done. 
Yeah, I think within a few days, I any doubts I had about how this was going to go because it was a new experience to work with Gethin and within Colours was the perfect start. Like we said at the start of this, was because it, it came together so well. It felt exciting. Things I wanted to happen happened, and things I didn't expect were starting to happen as well. Good things were, were starting to happen, and and Gethin's attitude and and just the fact that we got on as well, like. You're in the studio for an hour and then you have a break and the chats we were having outside and the spirit of it was as good as anything I'd experienced in the past that I could remember. Talking about the spirit of it, it's kind of, I remember one of our first chats, like you said, on the first day when you, you know, you kind of, you know, when you, you find that first day tough, the start of it, I remember mm. you saying about, oh, sometimes I just wish I had a had a band to to take the burden. So that like triggered a thought in my mind, right, I want to put some, like Damon said, about the community aspect around it or something, feeling that it wasn't just on him to make the record, you know, it was kind oh, of, well. That, that's when you came in with your tight jeans on the next day and your outfit <laughs> to try and join the band, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's that. Something like that. Yeah, it was the only day I did wear trousers. But um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know remember flippantly making a joke saying, "Oh well, you know we're your, we're not the Beastie Boys, we're the BD Boys type of thing around around you for it." So yeah. it was kind of yeah, and I remember another comment you making like halfway through as well, saying, "Oh, it just feels like I'm going to my, a student house with my mates just to make music." It reminds me of those days, and it was kind of that again. Was yeah, but that's that's part of it. Um, Eve Studios yeah. to give Eve a little bit of credit as well for. The, the atmosphere that is there it's it's an old Definitely. vicarage a house where we all gather and meet for something to eat there's a couple of people working in different rooms and martin the owner joel was our main assistant and henry who played the drums and assisted as well just all dead nice people all down to earth and we'd all meet outside for a chat in between what we were doing in the studio so it, the atmosphere generally was was just something i'd not had for a while it was it was great well, I was going to say that's a big part of, you know, a yeah. lot of people will say about production kind of, oh, how'd you get this sound or how'd you get this sound? It's kind of, it's not just about kick drum sounds and, you know, and it's about the energy you set up for an artist, I think, and kind of uh, how you how you frame everything. Obviously, choosing that studio, it was, it was great to go there because I've worked there a lot before. It was close to where Damon lived, but also just... I would have liked to have gone there for this record anyway, just because of the energy that's there and the kind of just how relaxed it is. So that's an important part of the, from the production side of you as well, I think. Mm. Fantastic. That sounds so positive. I think maybe we mm. should wrap up Colours and maybe hear how it ended up and then move on to another song. But is there anything else that we should also hear before we hear the finished version of the song? Any other elements? Gethin's brother Gareth played. He played this guitar part, and I, I I hadn't really heard it until we went to mix the song in Gethin's studio, and he was soloing a few things, and I could hear this guitar. I was like, "Where's that been?" And it's just this amazing part that Gethin's brother played. It, the reason you can't quite hear it is it's just in a blind spot of other things that your ear is ear is drawn to. A, a blind spot for the ear. I like that because the lyric in Colours. There's a lyric. Um, I can't remember about the senses being doing the wrong job. So a blind spot for the ear makes sense that if you could find that part and just play a bit of that if, if we've got time to... Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a Steely Dan or Prince part or something. Yeah, like a kind of Prince funk thing. Mm. 
That sounds great. I think we should hear Colours now in all its glory. No problem. Okay, here we go. I think these lyrics have got to be put on banners or something when you when you play live and people should come on and hold the banner with <laughs> orange is the only child of red and yellow and <laughs> at this particular point. I'm glad you said that. Thank you, John. I mean, it's, it's fascinating hearing the song now, having heard how it came about, you know, from that breakfast meeting between the two of you with Damon yeah. at the piano, just trying to illustrate an idea. And to think that you can go from there within just a few days to this is really exciting and really impressive. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a big, I think, part of the process as well of like things having to develop quickly. I remember Damon saying something like, I just need it to feel like a record all the time. And that's another way I like to work, you know, is that every time something's playing, you press play and it feels like it's not. Of course, you're going to have times where it feels like it's at a development stage, but there needs to be something about it energy-wise, but it feels like, oh, this is a record, you know? Yeah. It's a really great way to approach it. Sorry, I'm just listening along and enjoying it. I've not heard it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking to yourself, hey, this is really good. I like this song. Who did this? <laughs> yeah. It's good that it's a true collaboration as well of the ideas that everybody brought to it that makes it what it, the finished product of it is. Yeah, definitely. We didn't even talk about this middle eight bit, but... We have a big Latin moment. The uh, the Latin element was what you had in mind initially, wasn't it, Damon? You know, you had more of a Latin groove in your mind. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of in my soul as a writer over the years. There's always a feel element of me that's got that thing but thankfully Gethin steered it away from that being too obvious. It's just a subtle, it's more of a forward thinking proggy feel that we ended up with, which I, I much more think suits the song anyway. So this is Colours by Badly Drawn Boy. And now we're gonna move on to another one of the songs from the new album Banana Skin Shoes. In fact, the title track is the one we're going to talk about next. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. 
As you can understand, organizing and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tapeit solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labeling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers, and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organize set lists, and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favorite features within Tapeit Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tapeit sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favor. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give tape it a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off tape it pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So having established this great working relationship between the two of you and Gethin's amazing pool of talent that he can draw on, what happened next? And I mean, was Banana Skin Shoes soon after this or, or was there a gap? And then did you come back to this? Gosh, what did we do? Um, no, there's a big gap. Big, Banana Skin Shoes was finished probably close to being one of the last songs we attempted because there were so many other things to do. Banana Skin Shoes is another song of mine that typifies my kind of writing. It, it's not a song I could write until I get it in the studio. It's 25 years old as well. The title I came up with recently, but the bass line and the drum... I played a bass line and a, a sample drum beat probably 1994 or 95 when I lived in a bedsit and I was recording. So it's that's how old the idea is, but I'd never written the words to it. I've got thousands of old songs that I think, oh, I might try that one one day. And this one, it came to the fore because it, it felt like it was something that would suit this album. I didn't know it was going to be the title track even. I demoed it when I first got my Pro Tools at home, like three just over three years ago, and it was one of the first things I tried to demo, and it's a really shocking demo. I think Gethin's got the demo. <laughs> and then I recorded this with Keir Stewart in his studio in Wally Range. It was a, like a live jam. I just put the bass line down for about five minutes, and then Ian jammed some drums. Keir found some samples. So for a long time, it was just an instrumental track, which is the state it was in when, when I met Gethin. And I, I just slowly started to plant ideas in Gethin's brain, I think, for where this song ended up going. I wanted it to be cartoony Sesame Street the Beastie Boys thing John Spencer for me as an artist it's the closest to doing a rap I've ever done like a hip hop kind of a mentality to the song as well so I was slowly planting seeds in Gethin's brain I think and by the time we came to do it Gethin had a, a few ideas of his own to bring to the table we did a session at my house I think Gethin as well which was quite pivotal because you set up a mic and you looped again Magic Dan on the bass my bass line was so crudely played because I'm not a bass player and then Dan took that to another level and gave us loads of variations and Gethin was playing me those bass lines in my studio at home where I'm sat now and um, I started to try out some of the vocal ideas I had which I, up until that point I was really nervous about whether I could even pull this song off because I saw the idea in my head I felt what it could be 
and I didn't know how to get there. I didn't have the confidence with it. It was a very different to any other song on this album and probably any song I've ever recorded, to be honest, because of all these reasons. I had such a, such a feel for what this could be and we could talk about this song for hours, which we... Should we hear the original demo that you um, described as shonky, Damon? Probably as little of it as possible. <laughs> it's, it, it's got a trump- I, I was basically learning how to use Pro Tools whilst I recorded this. I was so I'd, I had a, a kick drum and a snare on a, on a keyboard, so I was playing those in live without any quantize. didn't even bother to quantize it. I was just excited to learn Pro Tools, so I opened up another track, played a, a keyboard and a bass. Have you got that, Gethin? I've got it, yeah. It's terrible. And what I love about it before we play You actually love something about it. Well, the thing is, again, from my point of view, it's kind of, although an artist will present something when they present a demo, sometimes it's even like a phone recording. I'm never looking for what's wrong with it. I'm looking for what are we going to, where's the diamond in this we can take? You know, what's what's great mm. about this? Why why have they done this? You know, type of thing. I ask myself <laughs> why have that they done every this? time. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's kind of, there's a reason why they've put this down, where, no matter how basic it is or... It's the purest form of expression sometimes of that song because it hasn't been overthought at this point or it hasn't been... I have to admit, though, I, I knew way more about the song in my head than this demo illustrates. Like Literally, the first sound I opened was the trombone, so I thought, right, I'll, I'll use that because I, I had no patience for going through hundreds of sounds in Pro Tools and trying to find one that was cool. So I literally demoed it in five minutes. Yeah, and it's great as well because you, you haven't Leave even muted the click. It, the click. Well. <laughs> <Yeah. I know. laughs> well, okay, I'll play it, but, you know throughout it you can hear elements of what the song ended up being like damon said in his head he had already had an idea of it and you can hear the seeds in this because you hear these melodies in the, in the finished version or variations of them at least hints to the vocal line there. To be fair, this demo version, that's where I came up with that melody. That's that's where I wrote that melody line was with that trombone sound, so at least it served some purpose. Exactly, yeah. I think that's enough of that, to be honest. It'll drive me mad. I don't know why we did anything else on it, to be honest. The, the other thing that that illustrates, though, is where we got to with the song was... We both said it sounds like a cartoon theme tune, like Ren and Stimpy or something, or yeah. or some some Friday night TV show that you can't wait to... Somebody said that, Kat from management said that when she first heard the finished version. It sounds like the best theme tune to a show that you love that comes on on a Friday night, and I loved that response that Kat gave it. And There is a cartoony theme tune, Sesame Street vibe, because it's the title track of the album, and the comeback tune, Like it opens up the album as well. It's the There's a fanfare at the beginning, a trumpet of a Here I Am, I'm Back. And the opening lines of the song, which is the, the statement of intent of what the album's press play, not stop or pause and not fast forward or rewind, is about living in the moment, living now, if you can, and appreciate life. Um, and I wanted the funniness of all that. Of the, I've been through a lot in the last several years, which is why I've not had an album out, like giving up the booze and stuff like that. And so it's time to break free from this plaster cast and leave the past behind is the next line of the song. And... Banana skin shoes is obviously a, a metaphor for wearing shoes that make you slip up in life and take on blue suede shoes or even crocodile shoes, Jimmy Nail. I don't mind what reference you want to take. But So Gethin had a lot to take in. All these things I kept saying to him, I, oh, I want it to be like this, I want it to be like that. And 
Well, we had the the jam that you had done with Kia oh, yeah. and Ian, and then we were lucky enough to get like two days uh, in Mono Valley Studios to track some drums with a good friend of mine, uh, Dave, who's known as Boyazuga. So um, Dave, yeah, Dave was brilliant. From the previous versions of a lot of the songs, I w- I was really keen to get some different drums on them from both sets of sessions that Damon had done. You know the sessions I had inherited. Well, most of of the, most of the tracks I did with all the tracks I did with Youth were all programmed drums. Yeah. Most of the songs I'd done with Keir, apart from two songs which we had live drums on. So that, so yeah, so we went to Mono Valley, like you said, to do yeah. drums on on nearly all the songs that we did drums yes. on, like ten songs or whatever. That's this right. Was, yeah. So then, Bananas can choose at that point, and again with Dan's bass, my bass line was just a repetitive thing, and then Dan. Dan came up with variations that were just off the scale, literally, and <laughs> made it like, well, gave the song more possibilities. So the combination of you, right, let's get the drums. Have you got some yeah, illustrations so of the drums? and? I have, again? yeah. So we went to um, went to Mono Valley, and I think we tracked, like Damon says, about 10 tracks of drums in, in the two days. Like, Dave's incredible, brought great energy to it as well. So we got a bunch of drum takes. I sent a few in between the break of that session and getting into Eve again, I took a few of the, the parts that I was enjoying, sent them to Dan and said, oh, just go wild, have some fun. So Dan had some fun on it and sent them back. And then at this point... Could um, we hear, as you were talking about these elements, Gethin, it, would yeah. it be possible to, to hear them? So hear some of um, Dave's drumming. Oh, totally. Yeah. So here's some of the drums um, after being cut up and processed. kind of got like a break feel yeah and then you sent that to dan then to react to so i sent that to dan yeah and then dan would get back with some bass ideas so i could put some of them i mean the, the weird thing about this is the bass line was the idea of the song my bass line which is that one that was the backbone of the whole song but my original version with Keir was just that repeated for five minutes right is it possible to hear that bass line on its own yeah, totally. So that's Dan's version of your bass line, Damon. Yeah, that's Dan playing my version. And then, being such a good bass player that he is, he just did this to it. It's the same kind of thing, but it's a, it gives the song another... I don't know something else for the vocal to spin off for other instruments to spin off it's this it's doing the same job but it's it's just another funkier version of what i was doing which i would never have come up with because i can't play the bass like a bass player does and and then, and then dan did that break bit and i said to you oh, i've got to use that we were sifting through so many this song is it's like a sonic collage it's probably one of my the proudest moments in my career is this song and it's a, a proper collaboration it turned into of writing and production together with me and Gethin working out how this could play out as a song and it's like making a movie like you need your co-director like making an album is my movie it's the, and this was the opening track and so Gethin was constantly grabbing things moment like me saying I'm back now that little sample of that you grabbed and yeah yeah it'd be great to hear those elements in due course I mean it's definitely it's also yeah. interesting when did the lyrics arrive for this, Damon? Because in many ways, the lyrics talk about movement and the track reflects that sense of movement as well. Um, when Gethin came to my house and we did a, 
a session in my studio. I had the basics of the idea, but I had no confidence that it was going to sound like a song even. It, it doesn't really sound like a song, but it is. It's When I wrote those opening lines, those were the hardest lines to write because I, I had so many different things I wanted to say. Um, that But there's not, there's not much you can do with that, that amount of space. And when I said press play, not stop, I thought, all oh, right, this is good. I like this. It's... Um, it sounds like the start of something. I'm telling people to press play on my album. So it does. it's saying press play and let this play. It's saying that. It's also saying press play in life, not stop or pause, and don't fast forward or rewind, just go with it. So I thought, right, that was a breakthrough for me lyrically because it. I'm not a rapper for a start, so I, I had no confidence in doing that. But because the words had some kind of metaphorical gravitas of saying, this is what this song's about, it's my comeback. And it's saying something that means something and it's trying to be positive. I had the supersize your soul element to squeeze in somewhere. Again, with the elements Gethin was bringing, it suddenly started to appear to me that, that it was worth pursuing and, and it could turn into something that I hoped it would. Um, yeah. So we've got the we've got the drums, we've got the bass. What next should we listen to? So we had the drums and the bass. We had a bunch of those. And like Damon said, we started kind of foraging through and really finding the parts we liked and um we had a break from the eve sessions just because they had so we couldn't get in for two days so i went over to damon's to carry on working and one evening we just put a few of these together and like damon said i just handed him my slot just try those vocal ideas over this now and see how they feel so we got drums bass and almost straight to to try and out some vocal ideas so i've got a, a bounce of that just to hear that step of the process. This was the first time I tried singing on it, so it's worth playing that just to illustrate. Because yeah. that's when I thought, right, okay, this this can work. This song, because I was so unsure about it as an idea until I started to sing. It was never going to work unless I could get the vocal to work. It could be a great instrumental, but I didn't want it to be. I want I needed it to be a statement, so it needed the words to mm. work. So, so when we did it in my house, it was a breakthrough of me thinking, all right, this can be a, a vocal this is song worth pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, and also, like, we had the speakers up full. There was no, like, headphones. It was just, I handed a handed a microphone over, put auto-tune up full as well into some effects just to make it, just to make it fun. And just, we were just having some fun one night just to, again, take away the, the fear factor almost of it, if that makes sense. So, yeah, here it is. So it was literally just, yeah, Dame just sang that over it, really, and some of the little bits are coming up now. It's one of those songs I couldn't sit rehearsing it at home and playing it. There was nothing to go off. There's no, I couldn't sit playing the bass line and singing. So until I'd sang that line over this loop, I didn't know that it was going to even work or feel good. The thing about that is it felt good. Take a walk across town, whistling the blues. It was, it was like, I wanted that section to be a whole... 10 minute section just singing that forever and and it could have been the songs ended up a really short song in essence where nothing happens twice we called it the attention deficit disorder mix i think you coined Gethin. i was just <laughs> going to say that i mean that's amazing in itself in that as you have already explained damon Thank it, you. it has become um the comeback <laughs> tune it has become the kind of calling card of saying look i'm here i'm back i'm different i'm really excited mm. you know because that's what you get from the song when you hear it it really is a fantastic not a call to arms, but a, a great announcement oh, yeah, at the start you. of the record. 
Well, I'm glad you think that because a few people thought it was a risk to put this at the as an opening track. I get that as well. I can see that it's like, oh, wow. But for me, it just made perfect sense for this to be like a bombastic. It illustrates the chaos that my life's been through in the last several years, breaking up with my ex, Claire, eight years ago, rebuilding my life, meeting Leanne, not having a record out, people wondering where you've gone, are you ever going to make another record out? So I wanted this song to somehow reintroduce myself. It's like, here I am. And Gethin, Gethin, you've got that little bit of me saying I'm back now. Don't worry, I'm back, which was a joke. Where did you grab that from? I think like he had just nipped at Tavalu or something during takes and he came back and was like, (laughs) oh, don't worry, I'm back now. And I was like, well, left it recording, but it's in the track. I can show you it isolated a second. Don't worry about it. He's back now. And I was just like, oh, that's got to go in the song somewhere because it's kind of, again, it's that cartoony feel. And also, no matter when, you know, Damon was like talking about the things he's been through, there's always kind of a, always feels like it ends up okay and happy. And it was yeah. kind of making sure that that, you know, even having little nuggets like that hidden in the song type of thing, I felt, yeah, let's, let's definitely put that in there. Having Ruben in there saying, Obviously, Ruben wasn't around when this song was... He's going to be three in May, Ruben. So this time last year, he was two, roughly, and I got him to record saying the word banana, which we... Banana! I knew that that had to be in there. Again, kind of a Sesame Street vibe to it, an innocence or something to juxtapose that this song's about coming back from the brink. But I'm glad Gethin pointed out that, yeah, the, the positive spin that all this album has, really, with especially with this being the opening song. It's upbeat, it's fun. It's like, yeah, things have knocked you down, but this is me back up trying something different. And so it's kind of hopefully a message to people that there is light at the, the other side of the darkness. And uh, so that's why the song had to, had to be full of all this, these fun ideas, I think, that, to make sure that that hits home. And what else have we got to play? Yeah, yeah, so after that, after the session at Damon's, we'd kind of got a rough structure of, of what vocally it could do. You know, in terms of the press play section and the walking across town section. So then we went back to Eve and I think I just started throwing loads of ideas at it, really. Like, and kind of, I started playing a few guitar ideas over it. Uh, again, we were chatting about the Ren and Stimpy, the cartoon nature of it. So like kind of, you know, the way that those old cartoons have always got like uh, surfy guitars to them type of thing. I started playing some bits like that on it and just, yeah, throwing everything at it. Nothing was sacred, nothing was ruled out. It was I remember get an it, idea. It was a Saturday morning that I remember it, and, and I came into the studio and you'd started to put together these potential samples that were going to fit around the bass groove and the bass and the yeah. drums. You played me a few things and I was like, wow, this is brilliant. The little stabs, sax, saxophone stabs, the guitar bits. You were trying to fish for another part, which became the supersize your soul bit. But it seemed to all happen really quickly. That whether you, like I said, all my little hints and suggestions you'd been storing up, and you just, and then you just came back with a million ideas in like two or three hours on that Saturday afternoon. It seemed. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So I could play a few of those. Yeah, that would be great, Gavin. So here's some of the guitar stuff that um, we used. <laughs> This is like a little funk thing. And then we got these. Can you add one by one so it starts to build the picture though? Totally. Yes, boss. Flashbacks. <laughs> you know, make, make it, 
<laughs> make it sound like make it sound like some music. So here's some guitar ideas we started putting down. I mean that that um, immediately already that's that's the Ren and Stimpy world. It's just craziness, which I love. If I could make more music like this, I would make every song like this if I could. But Gethin brought all those elements that made me like. This is when I start jumping around the room, not not literally, but in my head, I'm I'm getting excited. <laughs> you open your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I woke. I got up off the couch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the interesting thing is, your original demo, Damon, has that kind of spirit to it. I mean, the exactly. fact that you randomly chose a trombone and thought, "Oh well, stuff it. I'm just going to use that sound," and you, know, you built up. <laughs> no, but you built up a feel, and and by using random sounds, it has that that element. Yeah, it, even that weird trombone in the original. You might be right. It subconsciously illustrated. I wasn't taking this seriously. This song, in some way, sonically. The lyrics are, but the the juxtaposition of the lyrics being the dark connotations of some of where it's coming from. But then that's why I wanted it to be some, yeah, maybe it was a fluke or a miracle that it all just came together. It's like these are the moments you just wish happened more often where it's just like, wow, it's just everything I want to do in music. And Gethin was loving it. When I was sat beside Gethin when he was looking for some of these ideas to add to the song and he was just nodding away and just buzzing because I was digging it and it gave him the confidence to just keep you didn't play the uh, the those offbeat brass bits as well that are in that yeah, section yeah those yeah and then we, and then we did the middle eight section which was really weird that came from nowhere it was like I kind of sensed we needed a a section in the middle where this all got a little bit calmer and we used the other sample of Ruben saying it's a Mona that that was a strange moment to get right so I'll play the part with all like the cut up brass sections a second yeah So yeah, I just found a bunch of like different sounds of brass sections and put them onto my little OP1 sampler. Just plugged them into like a space echo and just recorded them over the beat for again quite a while and just started chopping around and putting them around. Uh, I remember them around. when you were doing that because it sounded like wow, how are you doing that? And you just said, oh, this is the stuff I love the best. And yeah, but that's why this song was such a fun thing for us both to do because I was getting stuff out of it that I didn't expect and covering some of the things I needed to for an opening song to feel like and then you were just buzzing because it gave you the opportunity to have a laugh and a mess mess around with sounds it was just the perfect song to work on it was kind of like we were just enabling each other really you know kind of like egging each other on with it like your move type of thing kind of which Mm. is always fun kind of push them into the extreme because a lot of the time you know you'll say you can go too far and you can always come back from it if you need to but with this one it was almost like it was never too far the supersize your soul moment is like quite important here as well to illustrate because you played those guitar chords like like a surf punk weird that's what you so were going like for a with that. I, I was like yeah sabbath i was always well. a sabbath riff like the so, words as well supersize your soul could be an, an alternate title for the album because it's a message i want to get across i've been over the last 12 months in particular 
whilst we were doing this record, like I've been in a therapy type situation, more of a life coach thing with a, a woman called Amanda Kanani. And I was already doing stuff like this when I was writing the album in the last three years, looking towards how I could better myself, how I could stop the world impacting on me so much and being so sensitive and worrying about things and, you know, wasting half my life, like a lot of us can, worrying about things that don't count or matter. And so that the other big message I'm trying to get across on this album, particularly the supersize your soul lyric in this song is, is as important as the banana skin shoes. So when Gethin came up with this guitar part and then we both looked at each other and went, wow, that supersize your soul will fit to that. And we both sang it together. Yeah. So that bit. again, we were doing loads of jams and then I just don't know where it came from. We just joked around with this little riff here. Which is almost like a kind of Sabbathy riff. Yeah. And then we just put it in over the song. And then we just all kind of got together as a gang and sang it over in a mic like this. And we were like, well, that's got to go in there somewhere. So at the end of the first chorus, we kind of spliced it in. It was almost like that effect where you kind of if you were DJing two songs, like flip to another song for a, you know, a few seconds and then flip mm. back into the other track, going for that, like it was, yeah. But the reason I wanted to highlight this bit of the process is because we spent so long doing that and then Gethin immediately started to process it and I was like, what are you doing, what are you doing? We just, we just spent like five or six hours recording these and, and it <laughs> became such a, squashed it into such a small moment. But I thought, I loved it because I thought, well, Gethin doesn't mind doing that. That the amount of work that's taken to make that moment be this thing that nobody knows how long that took, and that this whole song represents that attitude of loads of detail that only happens once. And for me, that's a really, I don't know, a, a statement of how much you're prepared to to give to something to get this thing across. And and Gethin's attitude to want to do that and be up for doing that was just like I love him for that. I love you, Gethin. Oh, I love you too, mate. I love you too. <laughs> Can't wait till this is all over and giving you a big hug. <laughs> not not not, not well, the interview. No. <laughs> so I think I've got the clean one a set. Let me find it. <laughs> super 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 size your soul. So yeah, that's probably the cleanest we've got it because a lot of the time I just like to record it, commit to a sound there and then really. So I kind of got it there, but we were still, I still wanted to get more out of it. So from that. Then I, I ran it through some outboard and processed it. Um, so yeah, so and then we, so then I, I may have laid like a, put it through an amp and put it through some outboard uh, like compression as well. They've got, um, there's only one of them in the world. Like they've built it there, Martin, the owner of the studio and uh, head engineer is uh, and producer himself has made all these distortion units and compressors. And I think this one was called the Love Buggy. I think I, I run it through there and like it's got there's no settings on it like fast or slow there's like one of them is like just seduction you just got the seduction button on there or you've got <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting bit, a bit of equipment but yeah so then I ran it through that and um so this is it with being processed super, super, super size your soul. So what I did was to get it sound like there was even more of them, I put kind of like a super tight slapback delay on them, put them through the space echo, but kept like... But, you're um, now making me you're making me sound like a liar now that we did this 20 times each. You, you just tricked it 
I believed we did. <laughs> did we not? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you did it, as long as it sounds like there was a lot of us, Damon. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did a lot. No, we did a lot. I think there's like 15 of us maybe here. Right. So yeah. So then I put a bit of pitch shifting on there as well, and then filtered it. Took the the low and the high just off with the basic Pro Tools EQ, and then yeah, this is it now. Yeah, and then this is it in the track. So yeah, just to try and create that kind of like you're listening to like an old Sabbath record or something on a, on a radio in the corner of a room because the guitar part is all panned to the left as well and made quite thin, so it felt like. It was outside of the song. I wanted to kind of feel like, you know, you go out of the song for a moment, I guess. You know, it resets for ear before the next section comes in. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to hear the attention to detail that goes into such a short space mm. within one song. But the the sentiment, the supersize your soul sentiment is clearly massively important for you, Damon. Yeah. And again, I think as an artist, I always like to underplay things. As much as I said a minute ago that, if there's a good idea, I like to milk it. But I also understand that, and working with someone like Gethin, it made sense for that important lyric to just be almost the throwaway thing that you might not notice uh, in the context of where it appears and how it appears sonically in the song, like like we've just illustrated. It's and and doing a show like yours that we're talking about the details. When you hear the song again, you all these things go out the window. It just sounds like a great song, hopefully. But sometimes the, these little moments that we discuss make it even more intriguing, and hopefully don't demystify it too much. It just shows it's nice to talk about these things now and again. Oh, totally. It's good for me to remind myself. I mean, there's there's a bit in the um, not to be gratuitous and talk about Ruben, my little boy again, but the, I had this video of Ruben t- saying it's a Mona, it's a Mona, and I wanted some spoken word in the middle eight and Ruben, Ruben opened the song with banana. And then the reason I used it is because Ruben was at a nursery that was run by Spanish people. So they spoke in Spanish to the kids. So Ruben was, he had this kind of picture card of showing it me and he was saying it's a Mona. And I was like, what does he mean monster? And he went, no, it's a Mona. Turned out that that's Spanish for monkey or what he thought was Spanish for monkey. I think it's mono, actually, but he pronounced it mona. So Ruben's misinterpretation of the Spanish for monkey and monkeys being synonymous with bananas. I just thought that was good enough reason to put it in the song. It's a mona. No, it's a mona. <laughs> no, that, so that's the middle eight. And then sonically where the middle eight went and building back out of the middle eight to so that bass line, I think, is worth geeking over. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so this is that section that builds up from the middle eight into the outro. Killer bass coming up. I said to you, we've got to use that somewhere. Coming up now. I remember you distinctly playing through Dan's bass parts when when he sent it over, and there was like that moment there that you can call me Al. This. <laughs> I just thought that's got to be a moment somewhere, and then you found the spot leading into the outro, which is again why I love it so much. And I, I look when the track plays back in the outro. 
the way it slams back in. I remember asking you, how, how did you get that slam sound? What is doing that? What's making that illusion? It will be... So underneath the beat for this outro then, uh, on the kick, you can hear an 808 being played. So I can play you those... So they're in it throughout the rest of the tune, but like for the outro, I just kind of really crank them up to give it a super low-end kick, really. So that, that outro felt really big. And again, to make that have extra impact, the bass riff before it, I cut out all the low end of that as well. So although there's a bass part, there's no low end again, so that when it hits, when the next section hits, it's perceived to feel bigger. So here we go. And I think doing this outro of this song was one of the, I think one of the highlights of making the record. It was probably one of the last vocals we recorded. Not for me. I was I was knackered. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to go home. Um, but yeah, so we just all sat around and like passing the microphone around, and then as a group did this. Then. I keep slipping on, keep slipping on. I keep slipping on my banana so is that Joel's low baritone yeah and Joel who's like quite a tiny guy and then he just sang this like the lowest vocal and we just I remember Damon and I looking at each other like not expecting that noise to come out of that person at all but it's quite nice because you know he was there for us making all this record so it was nice to get him on it singing as well I think so it was actually the last vocal takes we did in the session so it's nice to have a shared experience yeah yeah, yeah, and then we also put these in as well. Banana skin shoes. And also the He's Back Now samples make an appearance again during this section as well. Don't worry about it. Back now. You got Ruben in there. So like this is kind of like all the things that have come before, they start to make an appearance again, but in different you know different places, just randomly towards in the outro as well. Yeah, all all crossing over each other as opposed to being singular like a yeah a big choral yeah. So yeah, this is probably the last vocal and last chunk of music we tackled on the sessions, right, Damon? Yeah, before mixing, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So before we move on to another song, um, maybe we could hear this one um, and get some of the master and how you achieved all this. Okay, so yeah, this this tune is quite, it's a tricky one just to build um, as the track's playing. So what I'll do is I'll loop the intro for a while, bring in a few bits and then let it play from there. So here's the intro, second, and I'll build it up. So there's a reverse drum loop and some 808s over it. And then use some percussion. Get some bass in. Then use some kind of forage sounds. What are those computer game sound things as well? I forgot to mention those. Like they sound like a 80s computer, 8-bit kind of stuff. Okay, so I'll, I'll start the verse now with some of those coming in. So again, I'll start with a drum loop. And this is the clean bass. And then additional to the clean bass, it was run through a, uh, a space echo. So you get this. 
some more guitar parts. Here's the, the old computer game sounds. They've disappeared now. Here they're coming, they're coming. Always a bit shy, them parts, weren't they? Here we go, a bit shy. It reminds me of playing, you know, when when Space Invaders first came in in, in the eighties. That's that's kind of what I liked about those sounds. Some kind of retro yeah. nod to hip hop. And again, there's some more here as well. Some different types of ones. Where the hell did that one come from? I don't even remember finding that one. You must have. So that's. Oop, there you go. Little R2D2 at the end. So yeah, this is kind of like just a little uh, synth I've got called an OP1. Just like a little sampler sound manipulator. So a few of those are in this section as well. You can hear this. It was all these blippy, weird sounds that influenced the style of the video that I made for this song as well, because it was kind of an 80s. Max Headroom video, and it's largely down to those sounds that inspired that, which is worth noting. I mean, I've always loved computer game soundtracks as well, so that's why that, all that stuff appealed to me. It's interesting, isn't it, how sounds can trigger ideas and yeah. take you in different directions so just those sounds can lead to visual ideas that you can apply in a different way i just love the fact that it might mean something different to different people as well that the, the amount of sounds you could pick up on in a song like this that would yeah. evoke some memory in someone that's completely different to mine because um, it's such a collage i just hope that other people hear it and it and it inspires something else in their listening that makes them like the song or, or makes them think something I, I don't know yeah, you can hear uh, Ruben's Mona processed I love how you grab that ah that little snatch on the beat there of Ruben as well I can spin that back a second yeah so we just took a part of it I love that little moment, that little on the beat. So nothing is without meaning. Everything has significance, no matter how tiny. Yeah. Every detail is as crucial as the bigger picture. And another thing that I think is really true about banana skin shoes is the fact that I don't think anybody else would come up with that title or come up with that idea and this is 
you know, the result of Valley Drawing Boy being back in our midst, you see, Damon. Oh, no, it, that's a, I really think that's that. A huge you know, when I first saw the title written down, you know, I thought, hang on a minute, you know, he is back. Nobody else <laughs> could be coming out with this idea. Well, that means a lot that you say something like that because that's what I hoped this would evoke. In, it is a typical me thing to come up with and say, and I had to build confidence in going with Banana Skin Shoes as a title because it's slightly silly, much like Badly Drawn Boy is as a name in the first place. So I'm glad that you appreciate that because it, it's a risk when you come up with a title. It could have been lots of different titles, this album, but that I had to go with something that felt like something silly, meaningful at the same time. And so very kind of you to point that out. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's just because... Ever since Badly Drawn Boy has become a household name, as it were, or has mm. been involved in the world of music or the musical landscape, it's a perspective and a point of view that we wouldn't have otherwise. Oh, and that well, was very much the case when you first arrived and when, you know, even after a few years and people knew who you were after the Mercury Prize success, people looked for that ingredient and now that you're bringing it back, we value it once more, you know, and, and I think it enhances the return, really, Damon. You know, it means, yeah, this yeah, is great news. We got you back. Oh, that's lo so lovely of you to put it that way. I mean, I think if you can tap into doing what you do that no one else does, that's when you succeed in, as an artist, when you get someone to work with like Gethin that understands that too. And, you know, everybody offers something different. Lewis Capaldi offers something different, whether you like him mm. or not. You know, he's good at what he does. If you can do that as an artist, then you're winning all the time. The success is there in the completion of the record. It, whatever happens to it next, that if I've captured something that is authentic to me, that's when it all falls together, and that's the joy of it again. So I really appreciate you saying that. Well, it really, it really struck me hearing that song for the first time, and and really? seeing that that was going to be the title track of the album, and and. Yeah, and as we've heard, I mean, there's so much going on in the song. It's full of ideas and and um, enthusiasms and kind of zest for just adventure. I think mm. um, it's really exciting. Wicked, thanks. But it's interesting because how how do we follow that? We've got one more song we were going to look at, and maybe we should leave this one off. Just <laughs> we can't leave it off. No. <laughs> Is This a Dream is the last song we were going to talk about today. And mm. again, it's upbeat. I mean, the ones we're looking at today are all upbeat. There are more, you know, ballady type songs on the album, aren't there? Yeah. But I think it's interesting that the ones we're looking at have all got an energy to them. Yeah, I suppose when me and Gethin spoke briefly about which songs to present today to you, it was just the ones that there was a story with Bananas Can Choose, the sonics of it were just, there's so many things we could talk about. And Colours was the first song me and Gethin originated together, so we wanted to include that for that reason. And Is This a Dream? I'd probably rather have not done Is This a Dream because it's been a single and it's like I'd rather give you something else perhaps. But it's an interesting song to discuss because it was easily the hardest song for me to get my head around. Gethin will vouch for that. I don't know whether there was a psychology which wasn't helping me because it was penciled in quite early on in the process of making the album, it was penciled in as a single, a lead single, and whether that was filling me with dread. It was just every, every time we brought it up on the faders to have a look at again, it just, it was exciting. And then it, within an hour of listening to it, I just lost the plot with it every time we, we approached this song. I mean, this was one of the songs I, I started with Youth. It was the first song I recorded with Youth, actually. Is this a dream? And we did, it was more or less the song you hear on the album even at that point, it was a good version. It was a decent mix. It was 
but it wasn't quite as good as it needed to be. So this was a challenge for me and Gethin. But when, when, like I said at the start, when Gethin arrived on the scene for me, the challenge was to finish the 14 songs that I played Gethin and the three songs that me and Gethin did, then the songs that I'd done with Youth. Some of them required less. This, this was one of the songs that really didn't need a lot, but in a weird way, it needed more. It, there was, it was so subtle what was needed, it was harder to find, I suppose, is one way of putting it. It's a three-chord song. It's like, as a writer, I always I try and find a riff or a vibe or a mood. Or, or And when you've got a three-chord song, to keep that interesting, we had to play to the song's strength. So that's that's why I found this one tough to sign off on and say that's the version. That's the. I mean, for a long time, Geffen, the, my favourite version was the vocoder version, which was our <laughs> nemesis. Cause, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have we got a demo of this as well? I've got your early, early demo that you did um, uh, yourself. Excellent. Um, how about we hear the, the master of the song so that people know what we're talking about and then we go back okay. to the different elements that... Make it up. Yeah. Okay. It's not the way it's supposed to be I know, now I'm seeing things Saw something moving under your skin You can talk to animals Do little or do nothing at all I'm a melting snowman Try to crack the codes, they all came back wrong It just took too long So this is the finished version This is the version that you decided upon for the album But... Clearly, from what you're saying, it went through various different stages and developments. Where should we start in looking at that decision-making process? I've got you a, ver- a very early demo you did here, Damon, your Pro Tools version of it. Yeah, I mean, that that doesn't illustrate much, I wouldn't say, but it's worth playing it. It's a very different... This song could have been so different to what it ended up, um, which is why I loved the vocoder version, because it, I wanted it to be... It's, do, it's doing my head in now like it did in the studio. It's actually doing my head in the same way it did then. I'm not kidding you. So this is uh, this is Damon's early Pro Tools version, which, uh, yeah, here we go. One, two. This is tragedy. This is tragedy. This is tragedy. See, I've not even got the words written, obviously. I'm just jamming along. Yeah. But I think these are always great to show, like, you know, the really early seed of the idea. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's kind of, you can hear it being worked out, and you can hear elements of this, like the string part of it, are in the final version. So yeah, that's a very early version. I mean, I actually like that version, what it's hinting at. And, and it, yeah. if, if anything, it, it sort of... That's why I ended up loving the vocoder version, because it's just drums, bass and vocal. And I've never got the confidence when I'm in the studio to go with those basic elements. It's like, that's why I've always loved doing remixes, because occasionally you need a remix to illustrate a song's potential different strengths. And so we ended up with a version that I was OK with. And I, I've really enjoyed it since it came out. But it, it, I have to say this song was a struggle for me. It still is. You can tell by the way I'm talking about it. It's, it's still, I think because it's such a simple idea as a song, 
I think a lot of it was so during the making of it um I was programming some electronic drums to it and a synth bass to it and I just I don't know I put a vocoder on the on the lead vocal and just made a video I think and sent to Damon so I'm going to play off the video a sec for you guys to hear but then this is probably the biggest mistake I made <laughs> during this record because <laughs> this is Damon's favorite version of it and anytime we would do any work, you'd be like, yeah, but I prefer the Vakoda version, so much so that I'll show you various of Vakoda in the in the finished one amongst the vocals. But yeah, here you go. I think what I love about that, it's the immediacy of the connection of the lyric, the vocal. It's like an electro song. It's like a ESG or something. And that that aesthetic suited the banana skin shoes, the, the approach, to the hip hop, the Beastie Boys thing. So that was why this song became so tough because I, I did fall in love with that version. Everybody at the studio in Eve, like, they must have had a, a chat between just don't mention the vocoder version if you if if you walk past them because <laughs> I'd I'd be sad. The, the morning memo was don't ever yeah. say vocoder. <laughs> I also knew why that wasn't really the way we could release the song because it's like these are the problems you hit along the journey of making an album. It's like chasing the demo is a popular problem for bands. Like you've got the you capture something in a demo and then trying to translate that to the final mix is a headache for the band, the artist, the producers. So you have to accept at some point right we've got to do this and that's why this became such a struggle for me because because mm. i wanted to illustrate the song in a different way than it was perhaps possible to if it's going to be a lead single we're not, i sorry to interrupt do you do you have the youth version there that we could hear it might sound weirdly not that great if i'm honest everything that's in the youth version was recorded in 24 hours from start to finish which is astonishing like the whole thing was done in in the first day I worked with youth, we did like a six hour day and then another six hour day. By the end of day two, everything that's in that youth version was done. So it only took 12 hours from start to finish and mixed. And that's why I loved it because it was so quick. And then we spent the next yeah. two years trying to finish it. <laughs> that's why it became a sticking point with me, I think as well, because it was in essence achieved in the space of a day and then it wasn't right. So I kept trying to find a, a way of making it right. Do, do you want to hear a bit of it? Yeah? Maybe, but it won't sound very good, I don't think. I mean, it's inevitably going to sound a bit like a demo now, weirdly, even though it was... There's no snare here. Welcome to the tragedy It's not the way it's supposed to be I know that now I'm seeing things Saw something moving under your skin and it sounds really strange if I'm honest to listen to it now. It's interesting hearing it though, because it's one realization of the song, and then hearing that vocoder mix as we did as well, I can really see what you're talking about, Damon, in terms of enjoying the the, the kind of freshness yeah. that that has. And then in contrast, of course, we have the, the finished version that ended up on the album and the finished version that has has gone out. That's why it's so... That, that version there, the, the original version with Youth, which, like I said, was in the space of a day, was pretty much all done. And 
I lived with that version for two years, so to try and better it became just a, an awful challenge, uh, something you got quite close to. So that I had to let go of that, and I think I, wa- I wanted the version that had everything in it at once, and it's not that easy to, to do that because you're asking a lot to get all of that into a mix. But So Gethin kept trying to find something that would satisfy... It was just to try and make it not sound too serious, right? And like, again, the cartoon nature of weird... Yeah, exactly. Stuff, you know, in other ones, it was... Because obviously, lyrically, it can be taken as quite a, a serious and straight song. And I think that any version that was kind of... It just felt too straight or too rock. And I remember at one point you mm. saying, Damon, it just sounds too much like a funky drummer beat and things like oh, yeah. that. Just trying to... My mission was just to help you like fall in love with this song again, or you know at least be able to listen to it from start to finish without walking out the room. So it would be great to hear the elements that Gethin was able to bring to the song that helped bring it back for you, Damon. In the sense that you know you clearly you were very frustrated yeah. with the different directions it was taking, but somehow Gethin managed to find elements that brought it back from the brink of being discarded. <laughs> yeah, so, some of the... The choruses always struggled because of the structure of the chorus. There was always hope for the verses because of the nature of the bounce of the song. I was always liking, like Gethin said, I, I wanted to make sure this came across as the humour. Sonically, it needed to sound kind of funny in some way because um, I'm singing about serious issues and elements of the lyric. and. So Gethin started to find a few things that did that for me. If you can illustrate some of the, in, in the verses in particular, the weird guitars and just the way stuff starts. So like this is the instrumental of the verse. That little reverse guitar thing, that did it for me. That, that. And I found some guitar parts and chopped up the piano to it. Yeah, I love those little stops. They, even as subtle as that is, that made me think, yeah, that it adds a a humour element that appeals to my ears. And then I made these kind of, I don't know how to describe them. So that's just an acoustic guitar pitched up and delayed to give it a weird feel. You wouldn't think that was a guitar. Yeah. Wow. So these things that Gethin started to do brought back the humour that I was looking for. And got weird little noises like this. But that, the, these are the weird subtleties that, as an artist, you look for. Like that sounds like Buddy Drone Boy now. When you add those, that's what I look for. It feels like something authentic to me. So when it's something I can't play, like an instrument part on a guitar or a piano, this is when your producer comes in more than ever to sort of achieve that. When I can't, like, and I all I can do is sit there and listen, and then shout again, and then walk out and come back in, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then and then he suddenly found something that makes me go yippee again. You know, it's as daft as that sometimes, and I often feel for anyone I'm working with because I I'll know what I want when I see what it is, and that's kind of sums it up. It's like show me it, and I'll, I'll tell you if it's right or not. So Gethin, bless him, was was willing to keep searching for those things. Play a few more of those because they they sound interesting to your geeky audience. I would have thought. <laughs> Edit that out, obviously. <laughs> And like the weird little pheromone noises, like, yeah. 
Were you doing all these at Eve, Gethin? No, a lot of these were done at my studio here because we had had a version that was a mix from what we had done at Eve. And we were almost good to go on it, to be honest. And then, yeah, we were kind of like, no, we can still get some more out of this. So I printed everything out of the mixed version as if that was my starting palette again and then started chopping things up and cutting them up here at my studio and processing them, putting them out on through some outboard or some samplers and just having some fun with it again, really. You were having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I was having fun with it and just like saying a few Hail Marys every time I sent it to <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it was that thing of like, there'd be a lot of phone calls between the two of us on it. And again, it's like, it's not wrong. It's just not right yet. You know, it's kind of... Weirdly, this, as tough as this is to talk about, it's probably one of the more interesting things to talk about because it highlights how subtle and difficult it can be to make a song, how, how you perceive it to be, and all these little tiny things that make a difference. And when we added the vocals as well, which was in the chorus the, and the drop down at the end, we should illustrate those bits. Yeah, adding Leanne's vocal, and then especially the, when you did the kids, that added a spirit as well that was... Yeah, so again, we were trying to chase in the you know the otherworldly cartoony nature of it so when we were at eve we were essentially there to finish the mixes of it together but uh, mm. leanne damon's wife came in to do some vocals on it just to add some different elements to it again it, i was just kind of trying to think of ways just for it to feel different sound different to damon's relationship could have changed a bit my idea with adding leanne was just to make me like it more i've done that with songs over the years if i get somebody that i like to play on it then I'm likely to like it more. So I get my wife to sing on it. I've got a, a chance of being more into it myself. That's so my yeah, we, basic so thinking. And then you getting the kids on did the same thing because it's like, well, and it sounded good as well. Yeah, so we added in the chorus, we added in Leanne. It's like a disease that we all catch in our sleep. Am I in your dream? Which helped add another layer to it, and then... Um, yeah, just the tone of Leanne, a female voice, and it being my wife as well, made a difference to me. She's got a great voice, and she's dead nervous, not used to singing in the studio. She's a great singer, but she doesn't do it professionally. And then you, you added Autumn, and then, his daughter. Yeah, one of the reasons we added Leanne as well was, Damon, because you, you said, oh, you felt that like your vocal sounded just a bit too harsh in that chorus, wasn't it? So we were trying to find ways to soften it. So that really helped as well. And then in the middle eight, again, to try and get it a bit more otherworldly, I got my niece, nephew and daughter to sing over it. So I'll play that a sec. So if it, and I'll play it in this tune. Again, that just made it feel different. And, you know, we felt all these little things we were doing were just adding value and Damon was warming towards it. Yeah. And then this third chorus... I remember we were in the studio and Damon was like, once I've heard the middle eight, I know another course is coming and it just feels exactly the same. It's like, I need to feel something different towards the end. Mm. So we had chatted about this end. We were like, well, what if we kind of make it a bit warpier rather than being a big last chorus? 
make it a drop down chorus so originally we had dropped down quite a lot of the last chorus slowly building to the end but we didn't feel that was right we felt like the last chorus could pay off a bit quicker mm. so we ended up dropping down the chorus but for not as long so you can hear it here now so it cuts You can hear the kids still in the background here. Yeah, it's just those subtle little choices that made it make some kind of sense. It's strange now because even I'm used to the finished result and it feels like it's always anyone that's only hearing the song as it was finished won't know any different. But even I'm feeling like that now. Like we made some good choices between us, hopefully. But it's a good illustration of the trials that you have to put yourself through to realise something, you know, mm. about a work of art or a, you know, a song, you know, trying to get it to the right place. I think, I think ultimately after this conversation, I am quite amazed that we got somewhere that we were all happy anyway because of what we've discussed. It was, it was a tricky one. And you feel like a bit of an idiot sometimes. As an, it's only music. It's only... But you want to represent the song in the best light that you can, and especially the time I'd been away, and it was the first single. So uh, it's understandable, I suppose. I'm letting myself off the hook for the fact that it was a struggle and that we did get to a point where I liked it and everyone else was happy with it. So I'm really chuffed at where, where it all ended up. and It was just a struggle. The process is always a struggle, but you want to make that struggle as little as possible, really. Like the next time, Gethin, I'm just warning you. but the great thing is about this kind of a podcast is that we get to hear about it and for a lot of people a lot of especially starting out or even people who've been doing this for a long long time that it's kind of reassuring to know that i was going to say it is difficult and that it is a struggle and there's something reassuring about that hopefully a bit of encouragement that these things just don't arrive in your lap there is a you have to tussle with them before they become well, something you're proud of, I suppose, that you can release to the world. Yeah. And trust the process as well type of thing is kind of, yeah, you know, you sometimes... You have to know that there is a process, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that, like I said, it's like, okay, just because it's not right yet doesn't mean you're wrong. You're kind of exploring things. It's, you're working respect, out the best. Respect the process as well, really. Mm. The process is part of it. It's integral to it. There's A few songs come easy and most of them don't. You know, the, you just have to trust it, yeah, like you say, I guess. Mm, yeah. It's been great to be able to unravel this in this particular way here today. So thank you very much. Um, Before we go, though, there are a couple of questions we like to ask people to help others in different ways. Uh, One of those is a a piece of advice that you would either pass on or that you've received that has really helped you in what you do. And it could be something technical. So it could be, um, you know, switch it on and switch it off again. Or (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. that. That is the best. You've just stolen the best one there, John. Switch it off, switch it on again. Well, the thing that Gethin just said then about the um, trust in the process, I remember when I was working, I think because this album had had such a break from making records, it took me a while to get back to this feeling of making a record, which Gethin helped me enormously with. But going back to, to working with Tom Rothrock, for example, on my about a boy and have you fed the fish so my second and third albums i remember similarly at the time having problems with mixes and wanting i wanted everything in a mix and you'd add something to a mix and it it seemed like it had gone worse and i remember tom 
distinctly at the time saying have faith in the process like there will be a moment where you think this song's going nowhere and then then you do another vocal take or somebody adds a bass line and it comes back again there will be ups and downs that is the process so that is good advice you there will be days where you think this isn't working i'm not communicating this right but if you trust your instincts as well and be authentic as long as it feels like you're not doing something you shouldn't be doing or it's out of sync with who you are as long as it all fits with your character and and what you're trying to get across you do just have to trust i had to trust my instincts a lot on this record and trust other people and let them have their moment let gethin do his thing as a a solo artist i need other people to to bring their bit to the table and so all of those things really and gethin do you have uh, any advice that you want to share yeah i guess picking up on that as well really is kind of believe you know if you're going to work on a record make sure or like with an artist or on anything make sure you believe in it before you no matter what like the caliber of the artist or where they're at you've got to be able to especially like you know on a record like this where you're going back and forth on versions it's not just like going for two days and you know smash out a track and never see each other again it's kind of you've got to believe in those songs in that artist and what they want to communicate to the world i guess because it's not always easy and if you don't believe in it then you're not going to be able to to deliver that and put that extra time in and you know or to see it through yeah to see it through yeah so i guess that would be it really is it's easier to say yes to something and try and make it work than you know kind of listen to the demo listen to what the art is is trying to say do you think you can help get them from where they are to where they would like to go if that makes sense (laughs) I still prefer yeah. switch it on, switch it off and switch it on again. It's <laughs> the best advice and, ever given. And that kind of links into our other question, which is about a piece of equipment. I mean, is there a piece of equipment that you can't do without when it comes to creating music? I'm guessing for Gethin, it must be the OP1. <laughs> I mean, that, no? but we did use that an awful lot on the record. But um, What about the uh, panning thing? Panning. <laughs> I learned all about panning on this album, how to pan left and right. That was a revelation. I'm joking. It was you, an ongoing you, joke in the studio. They would be like, well, have you have you tried panning it yet, left or right, when something wasn't right? He would be like, oh, I've just read up about this great technique called panning. So that's a little inside joke we had going. Not going. funny. Um, equipment. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of like a lot of this record you could hear was parts that we had just recorded on our phones and then processed and worked. So it's kind of... Yeah, as long as I've got a computer to put it all into, I guess. But of course, I've got choice pieces of equipment. I take my speakers, my Adam speakers, wherever I go. I know those inside out, so I take those wherever I go. But it's from the artist, really. I guess the best bit of equipment is having a good artist that you can <laughs> that you can record. Honestly, that was one of the biggest uh, revelations. Like good for answer. me, was yeah. But it's true. It's kind of <laughs> no bit of equipment can make Damon sound like Damon. You know, there's no vocal mic that makes Rihanna sound like Rihanna. It's about working with people who have got something that can't be manufactured or faked, if that makes sense, because mm. otherwise everyone would be doing it. Interesting. And uh, do you have any equipment? I mean, you are the artist, Damon, so you you, you have to put up with yourself. But um, is there like a guitar or a piano or a keyboard that you always turn to? Well, I've got a in my kitchen at home... The piano I've got is a Yamaha Clavinova. So it's like a real piano, but it's digital. You can record. So there's like a one channel of recording. So you can do an overdub, basically, and try out a melody. So that's been really useful over the past few years for me to get a quick idea. I sit there every day and without having to go to a a four track on my Pro Tools, I can just sit in the kitchen and record a quick idea and then record that idea onto my phone to save it. 
So that's a really important bit of gear for me. I'm really intrigued by technology though. The OP1 that Gethin's introduced me to, I got one for my birthday and I can't, my birthday was in October. And whilst we're in lockdown, I'm, I'm still getting around to asking Gethin to give me a bit of tutoring on it because I found it fascinating. Like back in the day when I, I had an S950 sampler and a, a Tascam 4-track, that was how I started my career. I just had a sampler, a 4-track, a guitar and a keyboard and, and I managed to make some decent recordings or interesting recordings out of that basic setup. And I'm hoping that's kind of what I can do with stuff like the OP-1 as my sampler and with Pro Tools now and just, just capture ideas quick. You might have to spend months and months finishing those ideas, but when you, if you can capture ideas quick with a couple of overdubs, that's usually all I need to get a song, the essence of a song, and just store it somewhere for future reference. Plant the seed. Yeah. It's been brilliant talking to you both. Thank you so much. Is it now? Uh, is it for taking the time out? Have we gone into Tuesday? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we it's run a lockdown over. special. But, a lockdown uh, special. It is definitely a lockdown <laughs> special. Um, we, we would normally play out with a song from the album. Um, which song should we play? Well, when you asked about advice, then there's a song on the album called "Note to Self." So I was going to give you like the best advice I was ever given is. Reading Bob Dylan's Chronicles, his kind of biography, autobiography, he, he writes about people asking him what's the best advice you've ever been given, and he quotes his grandmother, who said, always be good to anyone you meet because you don't know what they're going through. That line always stuck in my head, so I actually managed to use Bob Dylan's grandmother's quote in the song Note to Self on the album, always be good to the people we meet because we have no clue what they're going through. But like a lot of the album, I've tried to incorporate positive messages and, and that being one of them so maybe play a little bit of note to self to time with that good advice yeah that's a great idea damon gethin thanks again for all this time very much appreciated thank you john here is note to self then this is badly drawn boy closing things out for our conversation about banana skin shoes Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. To ask a question on a future episode or find out who's coming up, head to our socials and on Instagram you can see pictures from the recording sessions for each episode of Tape Notes. Once again... Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Do I trust myself? Believe in everything that I feel And not get myself by trying to reinvent the wheel Common sense and self-belief could get us half the way there Maybe once in a Surround ourselves with the things we like We'll find calm